and welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And I'm Teddy. I feel like that was worse than last week. <laughs> of course. Uh, Kathy is taking the night off tonight. She is uh, going to be just chilling for a bit, resting and relaxing, which is good. But uh, you'll notice our Kathy Bernie is up in her spot right now. Uh, <laughs> Weekend at Kathy's. And so she'll be sitting there. So when she, uh, hopefully she'll be back next week and we can all have a good time like usual. Um, so, um, I said, we're upside what, 218? Oh, don't ask me. Yeah, yeah. two eighteen. I'm just here to rant. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's different any time else. I didn't say it was different at all. I'm just <laughs> letting you know what my purpose here is. My purpose is to rant. So, um, other than that, let's go ahead and get our business out of the way. We want to thank Muse on Minis for hosting our channel and getting us out there and. Have everybody knows us and see our stuff. Um, also, don't forget we do have a, a discount code to their store. Anything you mm -hmm. buy, use the dice. Use the code more than dice, and you can get ten percent off your order. We want to thank Mini Masterworks for also sponsoring us, where we get our awesome paint shakers and uh, was it the water activated color pencil to do like dirt and rust and all that stuff, uh, which is really good, and a lot of other things you can buy from there. Um, and of course, we have a discount code for them. Uh, we want to thank Parabellum War Games that make the awesome game Conquest. Um, and they sponsor the channel. You can get 10% off your order from them. Um, and uh, they are now getting to be pretty popular, jumping into a lot of different conventions and a lot of different scenes. So if you're going to any convention, make sure you go check them out, especially the larger ones. Um, I want to thank Midnight Heroes. They are also a sponsor of the channel, and I'll be working on a few of their models tonight. Uh, I didn't finish putting together the ones that uh, we started last week, so I'll try to finish putting those together tonight. Um, and I talked to them, and they're still working on their uh, core rules for their new miniature game, Dual Fates. Um, mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see. Um, probably have some playtesting of it um, and such whenever they give us a new file. Um, who did we miss? Um... Turbo Dork. Turbo Dork. Turbo Dork. Don't forget to check them out. Um, this month on the 12th, we'll be giving away a $50 gift certificate to their store. Um, and so make sure you come and show up on our channel on that day and spend your points. And um, we will get to uh, give that away. Um, did I get everybody? We got a lot of sponsors now. Yeah, we do, don't we? I think that's it. I think that was it. I think I got everybody. So, um, we did get reminders this week, and thanks, Legionnaires, for reminding us. Uh, we do have some shout-outs. Last week, we gave a shout-out to uh, something else, but this week, we're definitely going to catch up on the shout-outs that we needed to get last week also, um, which one of them was uh, a, kind of a, I don't want to say a shocker, but I was like, man, I've seen that guy in a lot of movies, was uh, Ray Liotta. Mm -hmm. that, was, um, that was a kind of a... Like I don't want to say it was a shock. It was just like, damn, I know that guy. You know, yeah, I've he, watched a lot of his movies. He's definitely a little younger than we're used to seeing actors die. Yeah. I mean, in general. But, I mean, who knows what complications. I didn't actually read into that. It's yeah. just sad to see. Um, and he passed away. Um, what was it? Uh, somebody said uh, Alec John of Bon Jovi. 
passed away? Yeah, he was the original, I believe, bassist for Bon Jovi. Hasn't been with the band for some time, but I did see that on the uh, the trending on Twitter. Um, and then last week, uh, Andy Fletcher of Depeche Mode uh, passed away. He was 60 years old. Mm. Um, I saw that one too last week. Um, so it was, it was, it, it, Ray Liotta really kind of, kind of shocked me because I mean, he was a quintessential wise guy, <laughs> which is funny. Cause if I remember correctly, he's Scottish. Yeah. But I mean him, you know, and, you know, uh, and all the movies, he always played a really, you know, a wise guy of sorts. Well, he he was raised by uh, Italians here in the U.S. He was adopted by, a, and if I remember correctly, he was adopted by and raised by uh, Italians here in the U.S. But I think he's actually, uh, I want to say, Scottish. But let me find out here real quick. That's, uh... Yeah, he was uh, actually his adoptive parents were Italian of Scottish. I don't think they say what he actually was, but he was born in. I mean, he was born in New Jersey. He was born in America, but so interesting. I just remember that. Was, yeah, he was definitely the quintessential wise guy. I mean, let's be honest, sort of Goodfellas put him on the map. Oh yeah, yeah, his role in Goodfellas. I mean, then besides being an incredibly good movie, you know, him playing in that, it was it was a big shocker in that. Yeah, he, he's been in a ton of things. I mean, uh, generally you only remind him for, remember him for the good fella and such, but he's been in a ton of movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I guess he was working on a movie when he passed away or something. He was in the middle of a project. So it'll be interesting what they do on that whenever they decide to wrap up or whatever they're going to do with that film or project that we're working on. Nowadays, they usually have plans for that, but it is weird. It is unfortunate to have a actor pass so suddenly like that. Well, and, and not to get off the subject, but I wanted to say this because I know you said you went and saw Top Gun and everything, and I'm sure we'll get a good re- get a review of it. But I learned uh, that through... Uh, th- something I read that all the lines that Val Kilmer was supposed to read was done by an an AI because uh, Val Kilmer cannot speak right now because of the cancer he has on his throat. And so every line that was spoken in the movie was done by an AI. I think that's probably not true. Oh, that's... I'll tell you. Bring it up during the movie. I'll tell you why. Okay. Well, that, that's what that, that's that's what's being said is that he, I guess, Val Kimner has uh, throat cancer or something, and is unable to speak and act now. And so they used, and I'm probably, it wouldn't be surprised if they Hold used, on. unable to speak, perhaps unable to act. I would argue with that I, one as well. Probably can't act in the roles because he can't speak. Is what I mean. Is that? Yeah, he can't do speaking roles. But yeah, I, I'll get into it when we get. Into <clears> it. It's not quite movie time, movie sign yet. Right. I, I want to bring that up because I want because I know you're going to give a review of it. Because um, I actually have quite a few cool reviews this week also because I watched quite a different things. Quite a few different things. And I marked them down and wrote them down so it would be easy to remember. And one was a big shocker this week too. So, um, right, Let's go ahead and get over to the paint cam. Uh, uh, oh wait, we're we drinking. we we got to be drinking. I'm getting all ahead of myself because I'm just getting excited. 
Uh, I'm not having, I don't have Cassie there to put me in line and whip me around a bit. So, um, John, what are you drinking tonight? I asked you first. I actually am sticking with water tonight. Uh, due to the fact that I'm taking a lot of antibiotics and just trying to get rid of this funk of, you know, salmonella and allergies. So, I'm going to drink water. All right, well, since I re- refreshed my alcohol, I actually have uh, Dr. Pepper, but this time not mixed with Fireball. I actually sprung for uh, Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire, so it's not quite as sweet. And going for much more muted uh, rather than sweet. Cool. Um, Kathy, what are you drinking? I mean, she's, wherever she is, she's got tea. Tea. <laughs> she's got tea. Tea. <laughs> That's how it is. It's tea. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, we appreciate you coming in and listening and watching. Uh, we appreciate you listening on all the other places and everything. Um, please, please, please look after yourself. Look after those around you. Uh, make sure you're safe. Um, make sure you're staying hydrated. Make sure that you're just safe. We want to see you at a different convention. See you back here whenever we have our show. Um, so from all of us, all of y'all. Cheers. Cheers. That's not <laughs> annoying at all. We're getting this by belching into the damn microphone. I can belch on demand, son. Alright, so let's put that over there. Move some stuff around. I'm I did do an interview last week, by the way. Um, I heard with uh, the Primecast, and of course they got me doing my little sound effects that I do whenever I'm like being silly, like and. Um, they put By all means, Captain Izzy, tell Kathy on me. <laughs> and so at the end of the pod, end of the show, they put those sounds in there. And goes and here's Gonzo singing our good scat songs or whatever, something like that. <laughs> and then of course I did my puppy power, and it was at the very end. So you get to hear me act like a fool on that one, like I don't do it already. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, if you're just going to spike on yourself, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> you're making it too easy there. All right. So I got to finish putting together. So my pirate is done. Um, my mech is put together. So I got to do my ninja. My armless ninja. I mean, mostly armless. Well, he's got these, you know, he's got these ninja blades. And they kind of, they go on here like this. Uh, see, he subscribes to, to Shura Mufune uh, School of Sword Fighting. Ooh, i got to clean this up a little bit more. Which is, you can't kill a lot with just one sword. And then he's got this. It comes on the back of his head. And then he's got his blades. Where, where's his other arm? 
Where is his other arm? That's what it is fast. Uh oh. <laughs> now he's mostly armless. There. I bet you it got caught up in the towels. So I was doing a little bit of airbrushing, and so I always put these towels down to make sure I don't, you know, overspray in areas. And I wonder if it got caught up in that towel. Because it was there at one point. Okay, not in that one. There it is. Da -da -da. Yeah, so this is so today's lesson, boys and girls, clean your partially built models up, put them in a little box or something, put them to the side when you put down towels and all the fucking airbrush in your station. <laughs> Save little boxes. I've got a bunch of these. I'm going to grab this one that's got a bunch of stuff in it. Like these that I get. My water comes in this that I drink. So we save a bunch of them so that I have them for first need for storage or moving stuff. Or uh, I also, if you want something more permanent, uh, I like buying, uh, you know, breakfast and bed trays from Target and all. They're cheap and they're sturdy. We used to use those at tournaments to carry our armies around. Sort of where the whole tray thing came from, rather than just have it on a tray and just being jingly. They like let's put it on a bigger specific tray, which is kind of cool. Also, a lot easier with something like Marvel Crisis Protocol, where you're only going to have ten models. I mean, technically, you'd have more than ten models. I feel like you could max out at thirteen, uh, fourteen-ish. I don't. I mean, you guess you could get fifteen. Actually, you could probably get more than that if you really tried. Like reality-wise, you probably wouldn't get more than fourteen, fifteen, because Magneto's got two constructs you could you'd have to take with you too. Then there's a handful of characters, like four characters, five characters that have two versions, but you would probably never use them all because you'd have to use Hood, Miss Marvel, Ant Man, Wasp, and Hulkbuster with Magneto. I'm here to tell you. That's a tough sell. <laughs> uh, I don't think you could easily build a list like that. It'd be kind of janky and weird. Which is kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Almost like I laid it up there for you. <laughs> yep. So, you know, <laughs> I saw your post and we were, you know, we were talking about your list building and, you know, you, you got trounced and something was going on. Um, but... What I really wanted to talk about is building lists and why did you decide to switch? Because I know you started out, you had your normal list, but you decided to switch out some models. Why did you decide to switch out some models? Well, first off, let's start by saying calling it a normal list would be really generous. It's a <laughs> list I made up in like two minutes because I had to play a game three weeks ago. I just put... You're like, all right, here's the character, here's the new characters I got, here's all in the faction, and then boom. Then I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, you know, I don't need Bob. I put Bob in because Bob is Cabal, who is my faction. Okay, so you, he's you, a two-pointer. Okay. And then I'm like, he doesn't do anything for the list. All he does is fire a rocket. You know, like, he's a fun two-pointer, but he doesn't do anything for the list. Since uh, my list also, let me, let me start right here. So my list inherently is Cabal. But I also have Magneto um, and Mystique in it 
So theoretically, if you get enough people, you could also run it as Brotherhood. Okay. So uh, when I was redoing it, I'm like, let's look at that. So I'm like, I don't need Bob. Bob doesn't do anything special for the list. So I pulled him out, put in Toad, because Toad's Brotherhood. So now you've got, you know, another Brotherhood character. And then looking at it, uh, I had Modoc and Magneto. Both are expensive heavy hitters. And I don't really need both. It is unlikely I will need to do 11 points for Magneto and for Modoc and still be able to field what I would call a reasonable list. Maybe, but seems a little off at that point. So I said, since I'm going with this Brotherhood and Cabal thing, let me just yoink Modoc out and I'll put in someone else. I was looking at a bunch of four-pointers and signed on Sabretooth, because Sabretooth is Cabal and Brotherhood, thus giving you more dual-faction fun. So that was that. I didn't actually look really beyond that. A lot of times you're just putting characters you want to play together and do it, especially in a game with as small list as something like Marvel Crisis Protocol. You put a bunch of characters together. I mean, for the most part, unless you get some of the very niche characters, um, you can put more or less whoever you want in there. There's a handful that may uh, require more focusing on and may not be uh, ideal, such in my post I mentioned I was thinking about taking out Mr. Sinister because Mr. Sinister really requires he really requires his genetic sample tokens to do anything. And he's got to kind of go out of his way to get genetic sample tokens. And I look at him as sort of like fun, interesting, but kind of corner case and maybe a little too much having to try and force him to be useful. So I'm looking at taking him out too. You never know, you know, but I look at it little by little. I try and play some games, get some useful feedback, see what I need, and then go from there. Which I think is the way you should be looking at every list, you know. You've always got stuff you want to play, the stuff you need to play, and then you should be looking at what rounds it out. Uh, Marvel Chris Protocol, more than not. Actually, I like... Uh, down a little bit, Gonzo. Sorry. Sorry. We like to use spreadsheets, and I know you guys are going to laugh, spreadsheets, because with only so many points values and only so many characters in your roster, you're only going to have a limited number of lists you can legally make at any point so you want to be familiar the guys act we talk about actually uh um we generally talk about focus on like three characters like if you have a, you know 14 points from her correctly is the lowest points you can play make a 14 point list and that should be or, or something close to that should be your starting point and then you should focus a little bit on, you got to have good 17 points because 17 points are the majority of them. And then you just want to make sure you can fill all the points values between, especially the ones that you bring to the table. You know, if you're bringing 19 and 20 pointers to the table, you need to be able to have good 19 and 20 point lists. So you need to think about that stuff. Um, there's a lot to it. Marvel seems super easy, right? You know, just throw some dudes down. It's easy, right? There's well, more to it. Yeah, because like, there's the cards play a very big part of it, too. Well, also, you're, what you're playing plays a big card part of it. So if you're playing lots of cheapo dudes, like if you've got lots of cheap dudes in your list, like mine is a lot of three-pointers. I can go very wide very easily. 
do I instead of choosing the big points, you know, if you're playing defenders or something, Black Order, where you have only expensive leaders, do I play the big points and let you bring them, or do I play like 14 points if I have the choice and go like, time for you to suck it with a low cost list, son. There's a lot of lot of ideas in that, so. You know, you, you got to think a little bit about that when you're doing it. Uh, I think we get too focused on just throwing stuff together and playing super casually when really you'll find that just playing, you know, hardcore casually, to use that term, you can actually go, you know, and have much more fun. Uh, and Legion, to answer your question, Sinister only gets his, uh, his genetic samples by using his uh, beam attack. So he doesn't actually need to quite melee, but he needs to be reasonably close. So, but that's sort of how I look at a list. Like, I went through, and I had just painted Sin and Killmonger and Mr. Sinister, so I was going to put them in the list, regardless. Could, and you want to test them out, see what they're like. Yeah. And, like, Magneto and Mystique and all are all characters I'd recently painted. So I just put, here's all the characters I recently painted. I happen to be searching for stuff that's Cabal, so I had a whole bunch of the same faction there to go together. So I started there and just added, you know, throw add-ons on. So if I'm starting with Mystique and Magneto and Sin and Killmonger and Mr. Sinister, you know, that is five characters, half my bus. And there's all five are Cabal and two of them are also Brotherhood. So you should sort of go, well, I've got three leaders in those five models. I should probably lean into that a little bit. So you're like, what do you add? Well, you know, if you're going to play Cabal, you got to have Red Skull too because... He's a great leader, especially if it's going to be more poundy and less scenario-y. Because uh, Sin and Mystique's leaderships are both uh, scenario-based, while Magneto's is sort of brute force, and Red Skull's is sort of this generic, here's some power for fighting. And then after that, you have to start you know, branching out. What else do you want to bring? If you're bringing Sin, or you need to bring Crossbones, because they're a pair. Oh, they work they really, have some good, really well together. They have some good cards together. Also, she has an ability to let him go right after her. Oh, okay. So you need to look at that stuff. You know, there's a lot of that little stuff you need to look at. And at that point, you're up to seven. You only got three left. At that point, I just threw in some dudes I like playing. Zemo. You're playing Cabal, you got to play Zemo. Zemo is awesome. He Like, just rules-wise, he has some of the best rules in the game. He is legitimately fun to play. And at that point, you got two left, just two. You know, at that point, I threw in Bob and Modoc because they're both Cabal. But after looking at it, I realized I am not going to field Modoc with Magneto in there. I should just find the point for Magneto if I'm going for a big beater. So that's when I took him out, and then Bob wasn't doing anything. So Sabretooth and Toad goes in, and you got the current list. You know, but you need to play some games with the guys to know what it is. It's easy to... You can... You can try and win in the dojo all you want, to use the old War Machine terms. But until you actually put that shit on a table, you don't know. Correct. Every list is undefeated in the dojo. If your list is not undefeated in the dojo, maybe you should go back to the dojo. <laughs> um, so that's one of the things I think about. And then you know, I look at the scenarios. Uh, Sin's leadership is all about pushing people away from objectives and... Uh, making people drop their objective markers. So I looked, everything I put in is an objective that you would score, potentially get pushed away because of Sin's ability, 
And then after that, some ability would happen. So the idea is, sure, you got the points for it, but now I push you away so you don't get whatever the bonus is for it. Like whether it be, oh, I gained power or what have you. I, you know, all the stuff that requires you to, that gives you something in a different phase. And then all the ones that might screw you, like uh, there's spider infected that might make you move because they're struggling. I didn't put those in because those are going to hurt me more than my enemy because they may have dropped them. So there's a lot of little things you can go into a list, you know. Suddenly the super simple, you know, superheroes beat each other up, beat each other up game is a little more complicated, huh? So you sort of got to play for that. And any game with scenarios, you should be looking at the scenarios and making sure you can do the most common ones, depending on how it goes. Marvel just happens to let you bring the scenarios. Uh, Star Wars Legion, you get to choose which of the objective cards you're bringing. Actually, all three of the cards, the objective, the deployment, and the... Uh, objective, deployment, and like the special conditions, the environmental effects. You get oh, to yeah. bring those. So if you know what you're bringing you should be planning for what you're bringing. Because you and your opponent will make up the, uh, one of you guys will make up the uh, the matrix and start getting rid of stuff. So you should be thinking about what you have. You can't control what they have. Don't worry about what they have. Be aware of it, but don't worry about it. you got to make sure your list works for what you're bringing. Like I said, if you've got a 19-point mission in your Marvel Crisis Protocol uh, uh, crises, um, and you can't feel the good 19-point list, you're done fucked up. <laughs> so think about that. Literally, I just use a little spreadsheet. Uh, honestly, I like the idea of taking the three characters and focusing on them. I think the ideal points is, if you can get to about 13 point, or 13, 12 points, and then go from there, because you have 12 points and you've got a two available and a three available, you're already good for... Uh, 14 and 15, then you get to think about 16. Just just figure out with your list what you got. Like, I've got some of my older lists, so I started tweaking stuff because I'm like, okay, I can't do this points value. Like, I looked at my list of available uh, forces, and I'm like, it's really tiny. So, you got to think about that stuff. Gon, do you want to talk about War Machine a little bit? Because it's a completely different beast for that. Yeah, so in War Machine and Hordes... Um since I've started back in playing in it and getting back into tournaments a bit, because things are opening up again. Um, I always build like a spammy list. I don't want to call it spammy, like a troop spam. So like a, a flooding list that's super, super fast to get to elements super quick. And then I build a beast brick or a, a jack brick, depending on what it is. Now this is because war machine brings two lists to Correct. almost every format. Yes. Um, and so I go around with that type of in, in my head because if my opponent has two heavy armor lists, I, you know, choose the list that will help out with that a lot better than anything else. Uh, and it all and it all really depends on what my opponent has to be what I'm going to bring out, because if they bring out a list that is like seven or eight beasts and it's not high armor and then their other list is like a troop spam list i can bring out my troop spam because i play grimkin and i have a lot of things that let me get around all of those abilities um 
But I always build because you know what the scenario, you know what the everything is going to be, no matter what. Just depends on what scenario is played. So it's it's not a big surprise. Unlike you know an MCP, it, it it's really random. Even though you kind of yeah. know what it's going to be. Yeah, but they're all very similar formats, so it's not yeah. super random or anything. No, no, no. It's not nearly as random as something like Malifaux. I have no clue what's the thing on Malifaux. Malifaux, you you flip cards, and they have you have a strategy and schemes, mm-hmm. and the strategy is based off of one of four, based off the suit, <clears throat> and the schemes you get five of them based off the numbers you flip for five cards. So, with you know all those numbers, you know basically up to what fourteen, technically speaking, well thirteen oh. technically, yeah, with up to thirteen. So there's thirteen. Thirteen schemes. You will get a pool of five of that you get to choose from, and then one strat on top, four strats on top of that. So you have a wide variety of stuff you need to be ready for. You've got some ability to choose because you know, again you'll get a pool of five schemes, and you'll choose two of them to actually pursue. But and there are some some of them are a little similar, but you've got to be ready for the fact that there are some that require you to fight and some that require you to get the points and some that require you to get close to models you don't want to get close to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, MCP is a little bit more... I, I think uh, Legion and MCP have, in my opinion, very interesting ways of doing scenarios just because you have more control over it than any other game. Yeah, because in, in, in War Machine and Hordes, it's, you know what the you know seven scenarios can be. You just don't know which of the seven. And you can kind of play around to that, in my opinion. You just got to yeah. figure out which one it is. And you don't know until you lay down your models and the TO tells you what it is. Yes. Unlike, that's why they, you, you can that's have, why they have to have two lists because you have no control. So you've got to have two lists for the potential. Yeah. Infinity plays a lot like that overall, where two lists generally and a bunch of different scenarios yeah. in the six to seven area, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so I mean, in, in War Machine Hordes, I always build two lists. One is a list meant for taking out a lot of heavy armored stuff, and then one list to take out a lot of troop spam. Um, so I, I can kind of try to get different areas for different places. Um, but for the most part, I like playing my troop spam anyway, because it's just a lot of fun, but there is a lot of, if I have a lot of models that have a lot of tough on the enemy side, I know I have to take certain models, a certain army, cause they can handle tough a whole lot easier than everybody else. Well, yeah, you got to know what your point is. Like, for example, oh, yeah. after that game, if I know, having talked with Marshall a bit after my game, if I know that someone's playing Defenders, they're going to be leading with Doctor Strange. So I need <laughs> to make the appropriate things. If we end up with high points, I bring someone who can throw stuff at him because he's shit against throws. Might be his only actual weakness. Uh, if I have the choice, I can put low points values and basically ignore him. You know? Because if we're playing 14 points, he's six of it that's a, that's a hell of a thing yeah i mean so he's got to do a lot of work at that point 
Uh, so, Captain says, what would you consider Alyssa has a lot of trolls with guns? Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, Mizzy, it depends on the type of guns, because trolls, I know, have some standard guns, but they also have scatter gunners. Scatter gunners are a great throw-in unit versus anything. They're what you put in your beast brick if you're worried about troop spam, because you could just throw a bunch of uh, uh, templates down and try and thin out the herd pretty quick. Uh, they also have uh, the new rocket launcher uh, unit, too. They have a, a rocket launcher unit. I can't remember. It. And I've seen quite a few people field two of those because they're like small three, five-man unit type thing. Oh, they're artillery? Yeah. And I know that they... No, no, they're not artillery. They're like small troops. Well, not small troops. They're medium-based models, of course, but... They uh, they do tons of good rockets, uh, and they actually carry. They actually have. They look like they carry rocket launchers, but they're one of the newer ones. So basically, like yeah. So that so like I said, that would be what I would put in a in a tr in a beast spec brick to try and mitigate troops because it's a lot of paper rock scissors. Yes, unless you have weapon master troops. The answer to troops is beasts and all, but also the answer to beasts is the right troops. Correct. Because if you tough if you don't troops know. and troops that are weapon masters were hit hard, or just fucking impossible to kill. Like I used to play a list that was uh, Durgan Madhammer with Steelheads, Alexian the Risen, Hammer Dwarves, units of press gangers. I just fucking. I threw bodies at any problems in classic Russian fashion. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you it solved most of the fucking problems. Especially when you put a spell on your unit that makes them explode for a pretty good uh, amount when they kill them. Exploding steelheads for the win. Exploding breastgangers better, but hey. Uh, but those are the things you look at. You've got to look at the tools you have and see if they fix the problems you have. And then after a game, you should be looking at, okay, why did I lose this game? What was the problem? What can I use to deal with said problem? And we also got to put in there that don't calculate dice because no. dice swing and there's nothing you can do about it. No, dice don't care. Yeah. So you need to be cognizant of the general odds of things. So Correct. if you bring scatter gunners. You know their ballistic skill, is, or their whatever they call it, ballistic skill. Their their shooting skill is fucking shit. It's not great. They're not going to have high defense troops. You're going for quantity over quality, and that's okay. Um, but on the other hand, like I would bring things like steelhead rifles who don't have a good skill in general, but they have an ability when they combine attack to reroll, which is like next level. So suddenly you've got two of them. They're getting plus two to hit and a reroll. That changes the math significantly. More so if you Damiano them and they're getting plus two more to hit and damage from that. So suddenly they're actually quite fucking scary being at that point, I think rat eight and the reroll and pow 14. And that's some shit. I'm here to tell you <laughs> a lot of people misjudge that and were like, well, that's fucking deadly. You have to be aware of that stuff. Um, if you have a unit like gun mages, gun mages are like the ultimate uh, potential of a unit that can hit above their weight class. 
and do a lot of things. Oh, there's a beast there? Well, I'm going to use our shots that push it away to try and control it rather than murder it. Oh, I've got an ability that makes me more accurate? I'm going to try for the crit shots, you know, uh, crit brutal damage to try and throw a bunch more damage at something. Um, it's a lot of knowing what your stuff is, knowing what they're weak against, and unlocking the Rube Goldberg machine of uh, playing an army against another army. Yeah, the combo factor in War Machine and Hordes is very prevalent. In every, in every game. Yeah. Every game, the combo factor is high. Yeah. Like, even Marvel, the combo factor is high. Malifaux, the combo factor is very high. And even even something like Warhammer, there's a combo factor. Uh, you get know what it is. And that doesn't mean you have to take the best stuff all the time. You can take the stuff you want to take. It's a fucking game. Yeah. The fate of the free world does not depend upon you winning this game. What? Damn it. I know. Um, so you can take the stuff you want to take. Just be aware of what it does and build your list around covering those deficiencies. So... In a single list format, you should make a list that can comfortably take anything. You want to build stuff to cover as many of your weak points as possible. And um, just be ready for anything. Uh, most games don't have just one list anymore. I think the only one left is Legion. But luckily Legion is a game with less paper, rock, scissors effect. Uh, Conquest has only one list also, by the way. Okay. Conquest one list. I'll take a look. I don't think it has a big paper, rock, scissors no. because of the of the way that units come in that you can always just get fucked. Yeah. Um, when you're in something with two lists, you want to take a list you want to accentuate what it does well. And then just know it becomes, it becomes a guessing game of what your opponent's going to bring versus what you bring. And sometimes you're going to just straight lose that guessing game. If you're not comfortable with that, that's and that's self-knowledge. If you're not comfortable with that, you need to build a more general comer list. And then the other list should be something that is, in certain scenarios, if you're general comer list, just like, I can play every scenario except this one. Build a list that can play that one scenario. Um so you look at that stuff, uh, and then you get games like Marvel Crisis Protocol, where you're sort of list building. You know, you're bringing ten models, but you're not going to bring them all. Just make sure you've got some guys who do stuff. You want to be able to throw some fuckery around on the table. All the fuckery. I mean, not all of it, because that gets really like that's fine in a tournament, but in a friendly game, you bring all the fuckery, you're going to get shanked. <laughs> or more likely, someone's going to be like, "I'm just not going to play you anymore." I got better things to do with my fucking life. Um, and then there's games like Malifaux, where literally you do not build a list until you you know what everything is. You come to the table with a faction, and then you figure out what scenarios are in play, and then you tell your opponents. I am playing this master out of this faction, your leader. And then from there, you and your opponent, he'll tell you theirs, and then you'll go off your separate ways and build your list after knowing what the masters are. So if you have a unit that's terrible against a certain master, you just don't bring that unit if that master's on the, on the table. You can know in advance. 
we we are trained by 40k where you just bring one list just fuck it one list good luck but 40k is never meant to be fully serious business like that it is it's beer and pretzels it's supposed to be that's why the rules ain't super tight they're not supposed to be that's a game where you just build a list that you're going to enjoy playing and that's important like yes if you're a hardcore tournament player you should not be listening to me about list building you already know what you're doing there's a million people on the internet maybe you copy your list nothing wrong with net decking don't let everyone tell you there is someone's already done the work there are problems that there are just set solutions for it's okay to net deck if that's your thing it's all good son sometimes it'll give you inspiration to change it oh i want to play this but i like this instead of this and i think it'll do well do that shit there's no this is the right or wrong way to play anything you're playing the game it's whatever way you want to play it is the fucking right way don't hesitate to do that because honestly having a list already in your hand takes a lot of the problems out of it now you can just learn about how to play it because that's the second step you should at some point know how to play the models you're playing you know, obviously you're going to get new models, you're not going to know them, but you need to get reps in with them. So in a game like Malifaux, Marvel Crisis Protocol, whatever, if you, when you get to choose them, try and choose the models in your list that you don't know how to play so you can get some familiarity with them. You know, because that's going to help you, because, you know, I played one game of Sinister. He seems a little weird. Does that mean that he's actually weird and I'm right? Not necessarily. I could be fucking wrong. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Um, but you need to play with them. Yeah, you definitely yeah. have to do and test out those models. One one, one test of the unit or model is not a good test. No. You need to test, test again. And I would say probably five or six games with it. Ten. Ten games. You think ten? So I'm like a five or ten six. Will give you, ten will give you a good idea. That's our number for everything in our local group. Ten. When Marshall plays a new faction, he plays ten games with that faction. Because you need to feel how it plays in multiple things. Ten games gives you the ability to take some different stuff. Now, that doesn't mean you, you put it away. It just means that at that point, maybe you do hardcore changes. Because obviously you can change your list a little bit here or there. Um, we used to just say, don't change your machine list until you've played ten games. Back when we were playing multiple games a week, that was not that long. That was at most a month of playing, no worries. Nowadays, it's a little more because things aren't all open up. But play your list a bunch of times. Figure out whatever number it works for you. Whatever number you feel like gives you a solid idea of that. It should be at least three. I would say no more than ten. At ten, you should have an idea of how that fucking list works and if it's good or not. I played ten games with X-Force. I've decided they're not that good. I don't think I'm going to play them right now. Not until I get some more models for them. I feel like they have, uh, you know, whatever. They, I feel like they're not there, which is fine. Companies nowadays actually care about balance. They'll look at the models and they'll they'll rebalance them. That's good. Back in the day, if the model was shit, you had to wait for a new edition to come out or a new codex before you got new rules. Good luck. You know, you could be stuck with a codex for five years of a unit that you love that just doesn't work. It's tough. That doesn't mean that they will fix it. They may not think anything's wrong with it. It might just be you. Uh, with all due respect to Will Pagani, 
your play style is a fucking thing, and it does matter for models you play. People just grok certain models better than others. Some people are just... They can build the brawling list of Doom. They know how to properly do the Rube Goldberg machine of attacks to make sure they get the most effect out of them. And some people, I can't think that hard. Fuck it. I just need to murder. I don't want Rube Goldberg. I want mass destruction. (laughs) And that's important. I mean, it's almost a microcosm of life in that point where you need to know yourself. Self-knowledge is important. If you know how you like to play, because if you like playing like that, you are going to do better because you're enjoying yourself more. If you have to play out of position, let's say, you're not going to do as well. So build your list list for that. If you know you like it, like, let's say, in Marvel Crisis Protocol, let's say Brother Voodoo is stupid powerful. But let's say you just don't fucking care about that character at all. Not even a little. Well, then no matter how powerful he is, you shouldn't play him because you don't like him. It's okay. You don't have to like all the characters. Really, unless you're playing tournament after tournament after tournament, it's not going to matter. And if it is so powerful that you have to play it, you should rest assured it will get nerfed soon. Uh, If it doesn't, then you just got to find answers for it. But you will play better with models you like than models you don't. Uh, Brendan, who's in our group, does not play models he doesn't like. He's like, I cannot get behind Red Skull or Baron Zemo because in the comic books, they're Nazis. I'm like, all right, that's cool, dude. You ain't got to play them. That's your call. So, you know, do what you got to do. If you don't like a model, don't bring it. You know, I, I said, I'm not playing uh, Malifaux with those guys because, as I told them, I don't want to play a bunch of models I barely like. important because you're not going to do well if you're not excited by the models you're not going to do well because your mind's gonna be like let's just get this over with yeah baynan hates the bodok model so he doesn't play with them i mean he's wrong but that's his choice so there you go so list building is literally just a bit of practice and figuring out what you need to tweak Gonzo, want to throw some more thoughts in? Um, <clears throat> don't be afraid to test stuff out. That's that's something I, I, I people kind of like. Oh well, this is the best list. It's the only thing, way, only way to do it, only way to play this game type thing. Don't don't bind to that bullshit. Don't get me wrong, because it's bullshit. They don't know. Yeah, test it out. Test out what you think is, especially if it's something you want to try. Like John tested out this week. He was like, well, this is what I wanted to do. Well, you do that. I mean, I, I didn't learn much, except I shouldn't be in that game when he's rolling dice like that. <laughs> but that's also a lesson to learn. You're like, okay, what did I do wrong that game? I don't fucking know because I just got rolled. All right, cool. Throw that game away. That game don't count. You don't know what you did wrong. Take whatever lessons you can learn and apply that to the next one. I saw a couple of things. I was uh, I realized I was trying to avoid certain things, uh, trying to get maximum efficient, you know, get trying to be sneaky. Don't always try to be sneaky, you know. Sometimes a hammer fucking works. You can try and Rube Goldberg everything for maximum effect. I caught uh, Brendan doing that a couple games when he was playing his uh, guys. He's like, he's trying to do this thing. I'm like, no. What do you need to do? Kill that guy. 
just fucking kill that guy then. Don't think about, oh, I can do this and do this. And, no, there's too many moving parts. Just fucking kill him. You know? It's like, and don't listen to the guys who tell you, you know, like, I can't believe that worked. It was only an X percentage chance. No matter what anyone tells you, they did not figure out the percentage in their head. Because they don't know everything, and no one, no one does math that fast. You know, I had a guy, I'm not going to say his name because you'll recognize his name, it's not important. He came up for a kill, for a, for a uh, assassination run on McBain, and he's like, that had a 70% chance of work. And I'm like, I've got tough. So, uh, no, it didn't. As soon as, you know, don't, don't listen to that. Understand the basic, like we said earlier, don't understand the basics of it. High percentage versus low percentage is all you need to know. Is it a high percentage chance? Is it a low percentage chance? Am I taking the safe play or am I swinging for the fucking fences? Just learn that. You know, if you're playing a game with Funny Dice, X-Wing, or Legion, or Marvel Crisis Protocol, funny how they're all... all <laughs> yeah, or, they're all Atomic Mass games. Yeah. Um, figure out what's on the dice so you can understand the basic odds of those dice. You know, there's a joke. Everyone loves to use the uh, Han Solo line, never tell me the odds. No. You want to know the odds. That doesn't mean you have to accept them as, as I can only take high percentage. What it means is you just need to make sure that you're aware so you're not upset with the outcome. You know, if I take the lowest percentage assassination run on somebody ever and it fails, I'm not going to be upset. You know, I fucking went into that knowing it's a low percentage, you know? You know, I need to go in and I need to spike damage on the first one and then I got to spike damage on the second one. You know it's low percentage. Sometimes it's all you got. Ask Devil Squid about that. I did that to him multiple times. I'm like, well, I got to spike this one and then spike the second one. It was like the first one came up like, well, I need a 17 damage on this one. Or 17 to damage roll on this one. Boom, 17. I guess I win the game. Good job. That happens. Just don't worry about it. Just understand the percentage. I see people get upset when they're chasing, like, something. And I'm like, you'd realize that was a low percentage. You know, like, if you roll your five dice in, like, an AMG game and you need one particular side to come up, well, there's no, probably only one side of it. So it's a one in eight chance five times. So that's a five in eight chance. That's not good understand that you know that's going to come up slightly more than 50 percent of the time that's a low percentage chance now same thing if you're rolling eight dice well that's a high percentage chance because you're getting close to one you should be seeing one that doesn't mean you're going to but it's a higher percentage and then remember your re-rolls and stuff you know re-rolls change the percentage but not by a huge amount but you should be cognizant just just be aware of what the general odds are don't let anyone tell you you've got a 1 in 20 chance of that work, and they don't fucking know. If it's more than one dice roll, they don't fucking know. Just be aware, you know. Because um, that'll help your mental sanity and understanding where you're coming from. You know, I've, I've seen all the shit rolls in the past day. 
You know, yesterday we saw a ton of shit rolls. Brendan lost, technically lost the game against Marshall because he had just too many shit rolls in a row. It happens. You know, but you got to be aware of that. Um, sometimes you don't need to fix a list because the only thing that came out is your dice didn't help you win. And this is only tangentially, but understand the difference between... So dice almost never lose you a game. They can. It can come down to one dice roll and you can fail. But in general, what you need to look at is did your dice help you win the game or did they not help you win the game? That's the only two versions of dice you should care about. Because technically speaking, something in the earlier in the game could have changed... And if your dice were rolling a little more favorably and it could change the whole outcome. So don't rage at the dice. It's just an excuse making, you know, you, and, and they'll do that sometimes, but don't make excuse. Don't say the dice lost me a game. That game I played against, I, I played on Saturday. Yeah. I, I left because the dice weren't making me enjoy it, but the dice didn't lose the game. I lost the game because I didn't do enough to counteract them. You know, sometimes you try and brute force your way through stuff. It doesn't work. You need to have, I would say a big part of list building is having the self-knowledge of knowing and being able to analyze what went wrong. You know, bring back the uh, post-game uh, chat that was very, that's very popular in War Machine Circle. Let's do it in other games. Like, hey, what are my units were you afraid of? Because I felt like I was scared of all your shit and didn't know where to go. You know, if you've got a good person playing you, a friend, they'll be like, oh, I was deathly afraid of that unit. I thought they were going to do this and this and this. <laughs> you can learn stuff from that. But you don't go into a lot of games where, you know, I'm like, well, I'm deathly afraid of certain units. And they're deathly afraid of my units. And I don't even see it. It's a lot of self-knowledge and talking about stuff and figuring out how stuff works. And, and people should be talking to you about that because... Mm -hmm. That's just part of the game. If someone's, like, not willing to talk to you about, you know, that type of aspect of the game, or they're afraid that you're going to find their top secret, you know, little tech that they got, I'm like, eh, don't worry about it. There yeah. is no secret tech. Yeah. Someone else will find it and tell everyone. Yep. Eventually. Uh, I play, uh, occasionally play comp competitive for War Machine, for, uh, for MechWarrior Online. And the guys are the most helpful. There's no secret tech. There's no secret builds. Hey, here's the build I was using. It'll, it works really good. Thank you. That's funny. I say that and men of your leagues just goes live on Twitch. It's funny. <laughs> um, but keep a lot of stuff in mind. Talk to your opponents. Um, you know, in a tournament, it might be hard. Some of those guys just want to get done and leave. Don't try and bug them too much. If they're interested, go. But in a, in a friendly pickup game, if they're not willing to talk to you about the game after the game, find better pickup opponents. Yeah. So I hope that helped a little bit in list building. It's kind of me all over the place. <laughs> but I mean, we're we're starting to get back to that in, you know, the games now. So I mean, it's <clears throat> it, it, there is a, there is an aspect to list building that people need to go because I mean, if you're not bringing stuff that's going to work good together, I mean, and then you get pissed off that you you lost the game, you got to look at it and go and well, dude, yep. you brought like 10 models that have no cards in common, have nothing in common with each other. Yeah. You, you brought, you brought, you brought scornergy rather than synergy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, well, I had a, had a point I was going to make, uh, and don't discount 
list building slash dojo time. While no we- no game was ever won at list creation or do- in the dojo, many many a game were lost at list creation or in the dojo. You can lose them that way. You can't win them that way. I know it's hell, but that's the way it is. If you don't put enough time in, you'll get to the table and realize this shit doesn't work together well. Yeah. Or, oh shit, I brought this scenario. I had one where I'm like, I've got all this, I'm going to do this. And I put it down, and my opponent's like, that got eroded. It uses a different deployment. And I'm like, well, fuck my life. And he's like, <laughs> do I change it? I'm like, nope, fucking committed now. Let's go. Um, and, and, you know, so there you go for that. I think, uh, Next week or week after, we can talk about uh, learning from a game more, what you should be looking for and all. Let's pencil that in, guys, oh, yeah, for a week or two one. away. Learn, learning from a game? Yeah, learning from a game. It's tough. There's a, the, the, We are living in the middle of the 21st century of excuses. Everyone likes to make excuses, and it's never their fault. Spoiler, you could always have played better. So... All you do is figure that out and go from there. But we'll talk about that in a week or two. Kathy, what'd you think? Oh, I thought it was fine. Thanks for having the conversation. No problem. I feel like your Kathy was just continually getting worse. <laughs> I'm have to do like some sound bites from her. Have her say a whole bunch of words so I can sound bite it all together. Oh, it's Kathy <laughs> soundboard? Fuck yes. <laughs> get that going uh so i worked on okay so i got my chibi models almost done i need to find um thing for my witch uh the rod that i have to put my witch on is a little too big i'm gonna see if i can find like a good like thick paper clip to levitator um and then i worked on that warcaster model um just blocking in colors and everything on it type thing uh so let's go and get to our media section media section we do have a fair amount uh yeah actually i have got so one two three four five six seven eight what he doesn't have is life apparently (laughs) or or the ability to go to bed at a certain time Uh, I, technically speaking, have three. We're going to end with Obi-Wan with spoilers. Um, we, we have one yes. more in common. Which one do we have in common? Uh, Stranger World. Okay, yep. And okay, That one's quick. We both enjoyed it. It was a great change of pace. Uh, fun to see them doing this kind of thing with the series. Uh, a little bit of character building. Uh, mostly with... Uh, uh, just two characters I think mostly you get the building from. A little bit from a couple others. Yeah. But I, I like that. It, it, it was fun. It was a great change of pace after the last episode, which was really serious business. Yeah, it was a very, very solid episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um, definitely pushes uh, character building. Definitely does a bunch of different things. But I definitely... It's becoming vastly one of my favorite Star Trek series of all time. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I will say this. Unironically, it is absolutely the best science fiction on TV right now. Yeah, I would. It is the best science fiction, and only because I don't want to judge it versus it. The best science fiction on TV since Mandalorian season two or Discovery season two. Okay, I can go with that. 
I mean, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was great. Um, I love the characters. It, yeah. <clears throat> I was, like I said, I've never been a huge Star Trek fan, but this one is definitely hitting all the buttons for me. Mm-hmm. Type thing. And if anyone says this isn't real Star Trek, it is. This is what Roddenberry would have done in modern times. Yeah. Back then, he wasn't. they weren't looking for that. Star Trek has evolved with TV, which it needs to do, and it's yeah. fine. No, it's solid. Currently, currently solidly rated the whole series as a easily a zero space rip. Oh yeah, I mean we're 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 not even really into the series. We're not halfway through or anything, and it's still a solid zero for me too. Yep, I look forward to it every week. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to go with something that uh, was kind of a kind of a, a out of left field. So Saturday night trying to find some movies to watch with some people and just trying to picking. And so we did watch two movies, but one of them kind of stood out and really was like a surprise hit for me. Um, it's on, was it Paramount Plus? No, Peacock Network, uh, I believe. And uh, it is called The Outfit. The Outfit is a movie made in 2022. Uh, it did make, it made like no money whatsoever. Uh, I think it only made like $3 million or something. It was like, you know, just didn't go anywhere. Um, the Outfit is a movie based in 1950s Chicago uh, about a gentleman that has a suit shop. But <laughs> but the, um, the crime family uses his suit shop to drop off envelopes. Um, and so they drop out these envelopes and so, so often they get these one envelopes that have a certain circle with a line on it that denotes that the outfit is sending them some information. Um, and so the interesting thing about this show or movie is it's all filmed in one building. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. It's all filmed in this guy's, you know, suit shop, uh, where he makes suits for everybody. Um, and it starts off like you're normal. And the, the main character is beyond belief. Incredible. Um, the guy that makes the suits, his voice is really cool. His attitude is amazing. He is super smart. Um, he's one of those guys that kind of hides in the background and he sees everything and knows everything, but doesn't say anything. He just kind of sits there like I'm doing my job. Yes. Y'all are going to be doing illegal things in my shop. I don't care. Just leave me alone. You do what you want. Um, it is completely off the rails. Great. The acting is really good. The, the set, cause there's only one set in the entire movie. This could be definitely done. in like a, a, as a play on a stage, um, the, the, the characters are fun to watch. Um, the main character is incredibly good. Uh, it's a very big sleeper hit. I think it was only done like, uh, at like the a film festival or whatever. Yeah. It was released in the United States on March 18th of 2022. Um, but I mean, it was really good. The cast was really good. The characters were really good. The outfits were amazing. Um, but it was really nice to see it all done in this one set. This shop where he creates his suits. Um, it has some good twists and turns. So you, you know, you're like, you're guessing about who's done it and why they're doing it. You know, who's the rat, who's not the rat. Um, 
who's going to get shot, who's going to die. Um, but it was really good. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I highly recommend it. I give it a zero. This was very solid. If you've got the ability to watch it, uh, I highly recommend it. It's only like an hour and 45 minutes, so it's not like a huge investment. But it was really, really good. Um, go out and watch it, especially if you have the Peacock Network and you can just you know watch it for free. Go do it. It, it. it deserves more than what it got. Type thing. So, Yeah, I think what was it. Yeah, the film earned $1.5 million its opening weekend. And I think it, it didn't make hardly anything at all in the theaters. But this is also the time when we still couldn't go to the theaters, pretty much. Or everybody was still, you know, like, I'll wait on going it. So it, did, it didn't do very well in the theaters, but it was really, really good watching it. I highly recommend it. And the main character, he is... The main character is badass. I wouldn't want to fuck with this guy. The way he, He's one of those silent but deadly guys. He says very little. When he does, you pretty much listen. So I liked it a lot. Very, 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 very cool sleeper hit for me. John, what you got that I haven't watched? Uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Cool. What do you got with that? What do you think? Uh, what do I think? Um, I'm going to start at the bad because there's so little of it. And the bad is that ending is fucking unrealistic as shit. <laughs> but it's fun unrealistic. It's not like, oh my god, I can't believe, you know. It's it's amusing at the end. Let's just say that. The ending's amusing. It hits all the right notes still, but it is categorically unrealistic after a certain point. You're like, I'm surprised. But you had a feeling it was going to go something similar to that because there were things you're like, I feel like these things are going to happen and they hadn't yet. So, back to the beginning. Uh, so, the film is obviously about Tom Cruise's character from the first Top Gun movie, mm-hmm. Maverick. Uh, Pete Mitchell, who's a, a captain in the Air Force at his age, which is someone who remarks, you should be like a three-star admiral by now. <laughs> uh, in fact, Iceman, Val Kilmer, is the admiral of the Pacific Fleet. And you get from the idea that they're good friends and he's been sort of keeping Maverick in it as long as Maverick wants to be in it. He's a test pilot. You have some stuff there. And I really thought that was going to play more in, but that's just more showing off that it's establishing notes to see how much Maverick has changed in 30 years or whatever it is. Technically 40 years. Uh, not quite 40, 36, I guess. Um, so the sandwich is changed in that. So you get some establishing of that. Uh, and then the whole thing comes back. He gets sent back to Top Gun uh, to train the best of the best to do a particular mission. So it's not exactly like the original. It's not like, even though the opening scene very much parallels the original, but it's fine because it's, it's pure. It's the best form of nostalgia. Like, we know you love this movie that we're, what we're doing a sequel to. So we're going to, open it the same way, just modernized. Uh, and it goes through and introduces a bunch of characters, um, most of which you will see in commercials, um, including the fact that uh, Miles Teller is playing uh, Goose's son, who's call sign Rooster. Um, and, I mean, I, I like them. I mean, they, they did a good job in a short time given the ones that needed personalities, personalities. Uh, one of them's a little over the top, but not, like, stupidly so. <laughs> Just shy. Of, like, if they'd made him any more over the top, been like, 
fuck this guy completely, but you're like, okay, you, you're annoying. You're you're almost like Maverick was in the first one. Um, and they do a lot of stuff with that, and uh, there's a good side plot of uh, Maverick with the bar owner, played by Jennifer Connelly, uh, who is also apparently the Admiral's daughter that he had a fling with that they mentioned in the first movie. And you quickly get the idea that they've been on again, off again. So that's an interesting, a solid romance in, in a movie like this. Um, I like that they don't... Tom Cruise manages to avoid the Vin Diesel pitfall of, of being, you know, in on everything, the most important, all the cool things that happen to me. He Stuff happens to him, but his character isn't perfect. His character has to grow, and the other characters are still important. Uh, it's got a great cast. I mean, all the guys do their job very well, and girls do a great job at their roles. Uh, they hit the right emotional beats. It's got amazing cinematography with the aircraft. Tom Cruise continues to impress his ability to get the Navy to do whatever the fuck he wants because he paints them in a good light. Uh, even the bit player. So John Hamm's in there as an admiral for a bit. He plays solidly in the, in the limited time he has. Uh, Val Kilmer's in it, and uh, he does deliver some lines that sound like they're from him because they sound really forced because the whole idea is that his character has cancer and has a hard time speaking. Um, and he actually spends the first part of their conversation typing it on a computer. Well, I uh, I was looking that up about him typing it up, and he actually says that he had to work with a... He, ha he has to type and speak through an AI now because he can't speak because of the cancer he has. And uh, I was looking up the, the tech behind it and it's actually pretty good because they, he, he went through like 40 different voice models to find the one that it goes exactly with what he was. Uh, Cause there, I was reading an interview while we were uh, going through some stuff and waiting about how they had to do it. Um, Cause they had yeah, to clean up. They had to do a lot of cleanup on the video on the voice engine to get it right. Yeah, well, there, there's only a couple lines. Yeah, that's, that's know, what everybody says. Most of it, they literally, he types it on a computer, like literally just on the screen for, for Maverick to see. Like, he's been there for the thing. They had a picture of the thing. They, he's been communicating with Maverick through text message because they're buddies, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and then when he comes to see his uh, see him, he's like, I, he's like, I want to see you. He's like, not a good time. He's like, I wasn't asking. <laughs> I mean, he's the Admiral Fleet. What is he going to do? Shows up, you know, his wife's there. He talks to him like, you know, it's come back. It's bad. So they have a, it's a good scene. Like Val Kilmer, even in what he's going through, just fucking nails it. Like, I, I know they worked it in like that, but it fits in the story perfectly. Like, if you didn't know Val Kilmer was sick, you'd be like, wow, this is perfectly fine. Fits in and everything. So uh, I'm not going to too much into the plot. Like I said, unrealistic at the end, but still a hoot at the end. Uh, enjoyable. If you like the first one, you will love this movie. If you didn't like the first one, you may still like this movie because it is still really good. Um, I give it zero space rupees. And, uh, you know, if some friends said, hey, John, let's go see Top Gun Maverick, I would consider going to see it in full price again. Cool. So, there you go. It's, it's, a, it's had a lot of good reviews. A lot of people says, you know, everybody was like kind of dreading it because they were like, Oh, really? A sequel to Top Gun? Why would they be? Yeah. But Aside were... from The Mummy, which obviously had studio interference. No, I think it's just... really produced duds. 
I think it's mostly because, like, how do you really improve the fear of how do you improve on such a good movie to begin with? And people are like, yeah, they did it. They did really good. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. They're like, they did it. Yeah. Kudos to them. Improved, but they hit the mark set by the first movie. Yeah. Uh, In fact, uh, the first movie's on uh, Paramount Plus, and I may rewatch it at some point. (laughs) Um,. So, good, good call, Xander Vorland. He hadn't taken them off, but I'm sure he was thinking about it. Yeah, I was about to. <laughs> now he's now he's he's penciled in for the rest of the show. Um. So another thing that came on Peacock was The Northman. Uh, Northman is Andy Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Bjork, uh, a couple other people, and it follows a what, Viking Bjork, son. The singer. Yeah, yeah, the singer. Uh, okay. She's in this, um, and it follows a Viking kid that uh, his father gets killed, and he goes away, <clears throat> grows up, becomes a very big, strong Viking, and comes back to get revenge. Um, this movie is kind of hard to describe. It is very much an art piece in the way that everything is done. Everything is done very choppy. Here's a scene. Here's another scene. Here's another scene. Here's another scene type thing. And it was, it was, it was, it wasn't hard to follow. It's just like, it didn't flow well together. And so it seems like it'd be one that either you will like it or you'll be like, fuck, this is rough. Yeah. It was weird. It it was okay, but it was weird. There was a ton of symbolism in this movie though. I mean, all through this, there is tons of symbolism, tons of, you know, Little things that you don't catch are like, oh, what did that mean? Oh, okay, well, I know Norse mythology, you know. Uh, the Northman uh, is what we're talking, is what I'm talking about. And visually, movie was great. Um, I was under Skarsgård. I like him anyway. He's a great actor. Perfect role for him uh, type thing. It's uh, everything period-wise looked good. Um, Characters were good. It was just very hard to... You were like... You would get into the scene, and then a new scene, and your your brain was out of the movie type thing. Yeah, that, that's that's dangerous, because, again, it pulls you out of yeah. the movie, which, if it's not good enough... But it sounds like it was. If it's yeah. not good enough, then you just... They might have a problem getting yeah. you back in. I mean, <clears throat> there was a lot of cool things in it. It could have done a whole lot better if it flowed really well, and all the scenes were together. Um, it would have done a whole lot better. Um, did I like it? Yeah, I liked it. Would I watch it again? Mm, probably not. I, I I got what I wanted out of it, and I could do it. It get, you know it just kind of just sits there. It it's neat. It's cool. Um, if you're looking for a good Viking you know show or movie, I wouldn't recommend this. Um, <laughs> but um, if if you want to see a good art piece and a lot of cool symbolism and a lot of good scenes. Sure, but I think once you watch it, you're done, type thing. Um, I give it like a two, because it sounded like a two the way you were describing. Yeah, it. it's not bad. It's just that it, it you get you get dropped out of the movie so often because some of the scenes are very short too, and you're just like, oh, I'm getting into this, and okay, next scene, getting it, next scene, and so it just kind of goes like that. But I mean, like it was filmed very well. Uh, the characters are okay. Uh, everything's fine. It's just that it's, you know, like I says, it's very choppy type thing. 
Um, what do you have that is not our spoiler one? Uh, you can continue on until we get to the spoiler one. I okay. Left a spoiler. Because I have quite a few. Um, the boys came out. How uh, the new season of the boys started. Um, and uh, they brought out three episodes. Um, and it was pretty good, but this one's getting very dark. And it gets That's very dark very quickly. That's what the guy said. It was very dark. They explained some scenes. I'm not going to repeat here, both for content <laughs> and for spoilers. spoilers. But fuck. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Vi- this season is very dark, and they push a lot of boundaries. And this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a very very rough season. I like it. I've always liked the boys. Um, I like the you know in your face you know type of mentality with it and not hold no hold bar. Um, I enjoy it. I can't wait to it. Yeah, the boys is dark in, in general, but this one is ve- this season has started off very dark. Um, so I'm enjoying it. Um, the Time Traveler's Wife is now a new TV show on HBO Max. Um, is that a movies? It was a movie at one point. And now they've turned it into a TV series, which I think makes it a whole lot better. Um, and it actually this is uh, a lot better, and I'm liking it a whole lot more. Um, I talked to someone that has read the book and they said they're following the book pretty good on this one now, which means this should be a limited series, uh, type thing. Um, but, um, started watching that. That's been enjoyable. Um, I think I'm in episode five or something. So, um, getting through that. Um, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, let's see what was the other one. Oh, I did binge watch, uh, Pistol. Which is the telling of the sex pistols, sex pistols. Um, and not just the Sid and Nancy story. It's like how they got started, the punk scene, you know, all the things that happened, and then going, you know, and it's a limited series, of course, which is good because you don't want to, you know, get that out. And it's based off of one of the books that was written. Um, I really enjoyed it. Now I'm a big sex pistols fan. It's you know one of the bands that influenced me growing up um, and everything. And I was very, you know, I liked them a lot. I even actually, uh, after watching it, I, you know, I've got a, you know, 40 minute drive to work. I throw in that and listen on the way there and the way home. Um, But it was very, it was very interesting. And especially seeing people act like the real world character, real world people. And the gentleman that plays uh, Johnny Rotten was great. He pulled off the attitude, the mannerism, and the movement of him very well in the show. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, if you like, uh, if you want to know a little bit more about you know the behind-the-scenes stuff and everything, and kind of the culture of that time, I, I suggest it. Um, I'd probably give it just a one because I, I don't know what it's called, but they didn't film it in widescreen. They filled an old-school square. Um, and so it was, yeah, it, it it was really weird, but they wanted you to feel that old school mentality of watching a you know, watching the show in that time. And eventually after like first episode, second episode, I was like, okay, it doesn't bother me so much because I know what they're going for, but it was, it was just kind of a throw off because you're so used to widescreen shows now. Um, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, what was another one? Oh, a new season of Alone came out. So I'm watching that, which is the reality, throw these people out in the woods, survive type thing. Um, and that's just started. So it was only like two episodes in. 
Um, and I'm enjoying it. Um, what was another one? Oh, I watched Sonic 2. Sonic the Hedgehog. Second movie. Damn, they didn't need to make that. <laughs> My shocked face. Yeah, there was no need to make that. I, I know that they were, they were stretching and trying to just like, get other characters in there. I mean, there. the first one was way more popular than anyone expected it. So yeah. So going to make a second. Yeah, so they made a second one. There's no need for it. And there's a possibility of a third one coming out. I mean, like, if the kids uh, like it, who cares? It's yeah. not necessarily aimed at us. No, but I mean, it, it was it was it was okay. Um, it gets the man rating of two point five. Um, one and two zero three. <laughs> um, but it was it was just okay. Like I said, it's, it's like a two point five type thing. There's better things to watch, but you know, if you just wanted something for there's noise, also worse. Yeah, there is definitely worse. Um, I think that was about it. So, uh, we're going to go into our spoiler. Uh, we can't really talk about Kenobi without spoilers because well, one, one of us at least is going to be critical about it a little bit. All right. So fair warning. If you had not watched up to episode three of Kenobi, please turn off and please you care. leave the channel and you care. Yeah. If you, if you care, please turn it off. Ready? Three. Five. Oh, you're three. Five, sir. Five, four, three, two, one. Kenobi. All right. So this is spoiler. So let's start off with the, let's start off with the big ones. Okay. If you have a problem with the series, because there is a black woman in it, go fuck, fuck yourself. Fuck off. Yeah. You're a racist and get the fuck out. As yeah. Someone put it. It's it's space wizards. There are blue people, there are green people, there are black people, there are all sorts of colored people. Fucking get over it. Yeah. That, that, that kind of just... On the other end, if you're like, oh, it's Kenobi, so it's the best thing ever because it's Star Wars. Go fuck yourself twice. <laughs> just because we don't like it or we have criticism with it doesn't mean it's because of the fucking actors. No, Fuck yeah. I, I don't have any problem with any of the characters. No. There's the characters no problem with any fine. of the characters. Our characters are and, fine. They're even consistent. Yes. Obi-Wan is consistent for where he is. Little Leia is the absolute fucking best and consistent. <laughs> um, Darth Vader is fine. I'll, I'll mourn him in a second. Reva, the, the villainess, is fine. Yeah. I think I like her. She is an interesting villainess. She's not one you're rooting for. You're like, this, this is a total B. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to kill some people. Yes. But yes, Little Leia is the best part. They should have called it the Little Leia show, and people would not be as upset. Uh, <laughs> I, like I said, I, well, I have no problem with Obi Wan's character or Ben's character right now. I don't like it. It is. Uh, I have a hard time reconciling who he was with who he will be, and who he is right now. I feel like they had him go a little too low. He he is very much the tortured soul in this. That he in any any and it's very prevalent, and he's like. You're like, damn, he's really, really hard on himself that beyond belief that they need to start redeeming him and bringing him back up because it's depressing. Yes. Um, Doesn't mean I don't. I, was, and I understand was, why. So there's, uh, I'm not, I understand why he's like that, but we'll get into that. Well, I will honestly say if Leia wasn't in this, I will probably at this point have ejected. <laughs> Leia is really good in this. And yeah. there's people that give, giving her 
shit for being in the show. Yeah, someone's like, well, the actors only look seven or eight, and seven or eight-year-olds don't talk like that. One, fucking space wizards. Two, she's ten, she said so, go fuck yourself. And she's also raised by a royal yeah. family, you know. Well, look, I'm sorry, when you start with space wizards, I'm willing to give you a <laughs> lot of leeway. Because you're starting with space wizards. This is basically Star Wars, the first space wizard you ever met. Yeah. Well, kind of actually made her better first, but now oh, he's in it too. So hey, yeah. um, I will say that uh, Vader showing in Episode Three and just murdering people to try and get him to come out makes him less scary. I don't think it's inconsistent. I never thought of him that way, but it makes him less scary. He, he's not and a it makes spooky. Him less. It makes him less redeemable. You know, you're like I'm like this guy can't be redeemed. He just murdered no. fucking people. Like, murdering those rebels in the hallway. No problem with that. That's fucking combat. It is what it is. Murdering people who don't respect him, in, you know, in his fleet. Those are his subordinates. That's their fucking rules. Just murdering people is like... I, I feel like this is what you do for a character who's irredeemable, not a character who's the whole point is he gets fucking redeemed. But, again, I don't have a problem. He's he's always been a bad... that kind of guy. But he feels less badass. I, um, so I, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, he's just killing people, but it doesn't feel like <clears throat> the way that I thought, you know, he was supposed to be. He's supposed to be this person that, you know, you fucked with me, like I will kill range. you. Yeah. 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 He seemed to be like the ultimate end of fuck around and find out. Yeah. Type thing. Just, I, he's just like, I'm like, I understand he wants to kill everyone. And honestly, I can see that to a point and mm -hmm. I have no complaints about that overall. It just makes him less scary. Um, the big elephant, and why I actually <laughs> criticize this, there are three, see, three, three scenes or groups of scenes in this episode that are written like absolute fucking horse shit. The first one is after they knock out their buddy who's the who's delivering the Imperials and, and Obi-Wan has just murked like fucking six stormtroopers. Two stormtroopers and an, an Imperial officer show up and he lays down his fucking gun just so they can have her come and shoot them in the back of the head and be his contact. Like, no, fuck off. That is shitty writing. Star Wars fucking deserves better. Yeah, I mean, he, he took out six stormtroopers and then two show up and he's like, oh, I, I quit. And it, and it wasn't like he was like looking for the moment to get them or trying to do something. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was literally shitty writing to have their, this is like, the equivalent of a GM putting players in a scene they can't get out of just so the NPC can come save them. Yeah. And that yeah. one took me out a little bit, but not hugely. Then he he runs off to lure Vader away. Cool. Respect. He faces Vader and then runs off. Yet Vader, who is a fucking tank and slow as balls, keeps getting the fucking drop on him somehow. <laughs> fucking impossible. Shitty writing. Someone didn't plan out their action scenes at all. Just like, wouldn't it be cool if Vader just popped out of nowhere? How? Yeah, he, he just teleports over there, and it and yeah. it would be different if, like, like he leaped over the pile of you know of stuff. Or, or, or if Obi Wan's like, like mumbling himself, got to keep leading him away, you know, and like making himself visible occasionally. Maybe Vader's a little bit quicker than he thought. Uh, yeah, it is the worst saber fight ever. Even worse. I mean, I actually like the one in the New Hope, but for, it, it just wasn't. And it's okay that it's the worst saber fight because Obi Wan's a little out of practice. And 
I, I predicted this episode, like, as soon as I saw the first episode of Obi-Wan, that there was going to be a scene where Obi-Wan and Vader meet for the first time after all this, and Obi-Wan's just going to be shitty because he hasn't practiced, or he's he's afraid that he's going to hurt him because he doesn't want him to, you know... He, he still feels bad that he turned him into Vader, and he's still fall, fight, fighting the guilt, and I knew this was coming. Um, but let's talk about the worst part about all of this. There's two. There's one more. Oh. His contact lets us lady keep running, and she comes out, and somehow she comes out right at the fucking fight scene. Just suddenly fucking fight scene. And she's there. And those two, the Vader thing and that combined to, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, and then Xenoborg says, what if Obi-Wan was losing track of him, maybe having flashbacks, better by the times he's jumped by Vader? Yes, that would have made it more interesting, but that would require better writing. You know, maybe they thought that, but you didn't show it. Correct. Or even tell it. And then the worst one is when Rava shows up and she finds the tunnel and then suddenly ends up at the fucking end of the tunnel in front of Leia, who's been running for fucking ever. Yeah, I, 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 that, that one threw me off. So... A lot. Terrible. I was like, she, and I even said it out loud. She was behind Leia the whole time. How did she get there? Oh, in space, that's a little change. What did he just do? Well, he, he he buried his lightsaber, Mo. He didn't have it. He went to pretend not not be a wizard. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, that was that, was, that one threw me out a lot. I was like, how did she get in front of Leia? She Leia didn't I turn could, around and run back. I could I even rewound it. I go, did she turn around and I not see it? Everything up until. The fight scene at the end. The fight scene at the end was just... It's terrible. Like, there's no other word for it. Like, and don't be so blinded. Like, a lot of people on Twitter, the reason I started with my rants, people on Twitter are all like, yes, Fader! And they're like, just nostalgia, nostalgia. Don't let any series get away with just throwing nostalgia at you rather than writing a good series. We had these complaints from people with Boba Fett. People were like, Oh, this isn't very good. It's just nostalgia. Yeah, to a point it was. Where are you now? Oh, it's Obi-Wan Invader, so it's fucking okay? No, go fuck yourself. No. I mean, I I was like, yes, Vader's here. I I, I was glad that they brought Vader out early. We're actually technically halfway through the series. Yeah, I mean, halfway through the series. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they didn't save him until five and six. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yes, that's good. Because we want to see that. And I'm like, yes, Vader's here. And I'm like, okay, that was all right. That was uh, okay. No, it wasn't all right. Uh, it was okay. If I were to rate them, I would have given the first episode a 2.5 because Leia. Maybe I'll give you a 2. Yeah, little I Leia, can say a 2. I'll give you a 2 for little Leia. Second episode, a 1. It was solid, yeah. I'll agree with that. Solid I agree with one. that one. And then the third episode, uh, I mean, I got to give it a 3. Um, I still go with a 2.5 with a caveat that... I can't. The it's stupid, too bad of writing. The, the, the teleporting thing throws it off, and it would push me to a three. I think if it wasn't for those little teleporting characters, say, it would have been a whole lot better. And here's the thing. If you write at least one of them better, if you write, say, Vader keeping up with Obi-Wan better, if you write the flashbacks or whatever, something to keep up there, you may not recognize the second one. And then when the third one comes, you're like, okay. Uh, what the fuck, but maybe I'm okay. But it's just poor writing. It is the poorest of writing, and... Especially the last one, where she teleports in front of Leia. Yeah, you're like, fuck that. You're like... Yes, Mo. Little Leia is the show. Yeah. Fucking A. 
We need little Leia. Well, we can't, but little Leia Grogu team up. It can't happen because <laughs> timelines. Time but but yeah, <laughs> Doctor Who come make this possible. TARDIS, get them together. Time to go. Uh, I do like I do like Leia and her little ladybug droid. Um, they they work really well to well well together. I even don't mind the uh, woman who's helping them. She seems fine. Yeah. I just feel like it just didn't come together. Lola, and, yeah. And I feel like if they don't, if the writing's not better, I'll watch the whole thing. It's only six episodes, but yeah. I'm going to be harsh and I'm going to continue to get in Twitter fights with Star Wars fans who won't let anyone criticize their shit. Now, I will say that, you know, like I said, we only have, you know, three more episodes to go, so three more weeks. And I'm really, really looking forward to Andor. Um, yeah. For the simple for fact Andor. that this is non space wizards and the yes. start of the rebellion. Because this is before Rogue One. And I'm like, I want to see what they're going to do. Because this is something we haven't really seen. Rogue One was an amazing Star Wars film without Space Wizards. And it was great. Now, we're going to see the beginning of that. And I'm and I'm curious to see how it goes. Because I like it. And it, it feel, it's more I, I filling like the out the world. Yeah. yeah it feels like it's doing more. Like, we don't. Here's the thing I say, and it's sort of the problem with the prequels, is that we didn't need people to give us the prequels. Our mind had already filled in all that stuff, mm-hmm. and it was cool. Now, some of the stuff in the prequels is really cool, but overall, there was no one who was ever going to live up to 20 years of our imagination. It was never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and But I'm looking for Andor because it's a lot more filling out stuff. Uh, be a lot more interesting, I think. Um the other problem Disney's going to have is that they're starting Miss Marvel before Obi-Wan is done, which is a mistake, because if time gets crunching, I'm probably going to watch Miss Marvel before Obi-Wan. <laughs> Excuse me. You know? It'll be interesting you know, because... I, I said Paramount Plus had that problem with Picard and Strange New Worlds. I am... There's no competition. I'm watching Strange New World. Picard can sit there for a while. Yeah. It'll be interesting because they, they've got a lot slated because we have also She-Hulk coming out mm-hmm. and or Miss Marvel. But... Yeah, yeah, it's just a lot's coming out. They really need to pace themselves out. Because um, yes. we made a comment that even though The Boys has three episodes out right now, it doesn't matter. You're not dropping Amazon Prime. Correct. You might drop something else. You might drop a Disney Plus. People Or like Netflix. Or Netflix. <laughs> yeah, Netflix especially. Good Lord. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, you're just like, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's like I said, I, I, I like Obi-Wan. I like seeing you and McGregor in there. I like seeing the thing. I like seeing the feeling. It's just that while the last episode, I enjoyed it. There was scenes and stuff in there. I was like, what the fuck? I did not enjoy it overall. So, I don't know. but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to Andor. I, that's, yeah. that's something I don't know a lot about. And a lot of people don't know about. So I think it's a good way to good, a good filler, a good yes. gap feeling of how did the rebellion start? Why, you know, what, you know, besides rogue one, Give us, give us that stuff, because you can, you could pretty much go anywhere and anything with that. And, and you know he's going to be a stone cold bastard because he was a stone cold bastard in the beginning of that. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. Yep. So, all right, spoilers over. We went a little bit over, but hey, no big deal. Not a big one. Uh, guys, we really, really appreciate you coming out. Um, yes. Uh, Yes, Cook. we both love it. We both love Strange New Worlds. It's my favorite Star Trek series right now. Um, can't wait for yeah. it. Yep. Can't wait for more. Um, it's, it's must watch. Yes, must watch. 
Guys, we really appreciate you coming out and listening um, and watching us. Uh, don't forget, next weekend we will do a, on the 12th, we'll give away a $50 gift certificate to Turbo Dork. Uh, Turbo Dork. We, we love those guys and all their paints. Um, so make sure you come in and get in on that giveaway. Um, but other than that, please take care of yourself. Please watch after each other. If you find some fuckery, find out. Let those people find out. Yep. <laughs> um, type thing. Um, we really appreciate y'all. Hopefully we'll have Kathy back next week. Uh, until then, we're going to send you off to Vlieger Dragon. I think she's doing uh, playing some Panano. And you can hear, listen to her do playing some Panano. So, for more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Kathy. Good well, night. Yet. Are you purposely making them worse? Yes. <laughs> okay. That makes me feel a little better. I have to do something. But you could do something better. Oh, no. I, I, if I did something better, people would expect more out of me. And I can't do that.